We will obviously be in two parts of the scripture. They are the same story. They parallel one another. We'll be doing that quite a bit, God willing, on Wednesdays. We will start in 1 Chronicles 13, but we'll be as well in 2 Samuel 6. The good intentions of David, everything is going well. People are happy, they're excited. For the first time, Israel comes together as a united, or they're coming together, should I say, as a unified nation. All in agreement that David is their king. And so David has many good intentions regarding his reign. And so we'll see how David moves through this in uh, putting everything together. At least he's trying to put everything together the way that he thinks it ought to be. And uh, next order of business for David is to fetch the Ark of the Covenant and to bring it to Jerusalem. So let's look at those two passages of Scripture. And we will see that... Uh, It doesn't matter who the person is except for the Lord Jesus. The character in the Bible, there just is always an element of pride and um, selfishness. It begins to creep into the mind of David a little bit. He's, he's, he's very enthusiastic, but he, he makes some poor decisions because he really doesn't seek the Lord the way that he should. We'll discover that as we go through the scriptures here. David conferred with the officers of the thousands and the hundreds with every leader. So it's, he's, he's called everybody in any kind of position of authority from the tribes to himself. He is putting together his kingdom uh, in a solidified way so that uh, from, from the throne down to the lowest magistrate, there is an agreement that, it's, that David is the king and that it is the kingdom of, da uh, of the dynasty of David. And David said to the entire congregation of Israel, if it pleases you and from the Lord God, Notice the first phrase, if it pleases you. David is so enthusiastic that he is a little bit too anxious to please everybody. It has been opened, let us send to our brethren remaining in all the lands of Israel and with them the priests and the Levites in the cities of their open land and let them gather to us. No one in any kind of position of authority is to be left out. He is bringing everyone together as best he can so that everybody starts together unified in the kingdom of Israel. Then he says, let us bring the ark of God around to us. For we did not seek him in the days of Saul. 
just because the Ark of the Covenant should have more attention paid to it and the worship of Yahweh should be complete in the minds of the people, still, it is not David's way that is the correct way to move the ark of God. We go back in, into 1 Samuel, if you will remember. I, I, think, I think before the days of Saul, the, the Philistines and the Israelites go to war. And the Israelites thought that they had an ace up their sleeve, which was the Ark of the Covenant. So they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the battle. Well, the battle pretty much went their way, but the problem was the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines. And so this was a great prize, and the Philistines presented it to their people that their God, Dagon, had defeated Yahweh, the God of Israel. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant into the temple of Dagon as a, as a, as a, as a treasure uh, from a defeated enemy. You may remember the story. You know, his head kept falling off his arms to the statue of Dagon. He, he just kept falling apart. He couldn't handle the presence of Yahweh. And then disease and all kind of disasters began to happen. And so they said, look, this thing is nothing but trouble. Put it on an ox cart, set it in the right direction, and give that ox a kick in the rear and get that thing out of here. Nobody wanted to drive the cart, you know. So they just sent the ark on the cart led by an aimless ox on its way back. It comes to rest at a certain man's house who was an Israelite in Kurdish Jerem. And so the decision was by the Israelites, let's just leave it there. Wasn't a bad decision because Things didn't go wrong at that point for the Israelites. There was no tabernacle. Of course, there was no temple at this point. It won't be until the time of Solomon that the temple is built. And so they would make it sort of a formal place. And there, the Ark of the Covenant was housed the Ark of the Covenant, the worship that it demands and all of the things that we had studied in Exodus, those things kind of went by the wayside under King Saul. But David has his attention now centered on the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, the 12 tribes are together. We are unified for the first time in our history as a nation since we left Egypt unified as a kingdom 
And we want to get everything right. We want to put all of our, our things in order. So here David thinks of the ark. And he's talking to the people here. He's not talking to Yahweh. If you remember, Yahweh gave specific instructions on how to handle and transport the ark. It was there. It was there in the law of Moses in the covenant, in the, in the old, old covenant. David, in his excitement, is gathering the people and he says, let us bring the ark of God around to us. For we did not seek him in the days of Saul. The ark of the covenant is representative of the presence of God. It was to be in the holy of holies. Apparently things are not quite that orderly at the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. And apparently folks had a rather cavalier attitude about approaching the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. Even though there were strict regulations about it in Exodus. So he says, Man, this, this, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it, it's, it's sort of like we have this, this prize and this treasure and it's ours and, and we want to bring it and, and make it something special. It's, it's not, it's God. It's the presence of God and there were regulations and rules about it. They're saying this is a good thing for us to bring the ark to us because it was neglected in the days of Saul. Now, behind the speech that David is making is the insinuation that he's going to be better about those things than Saul was. That's, that's what he's saying. Now, all the congregation said, yeah, let's do this. Because the matter was deemed proper by the whole nation. David assembled all of Israel from Shahor of Egypt and unto the, the approach of Hamath and to bring the ark of God from Kirjath Jerem. David and all of Israel went up to Baalah, to Kirjath Jerem of Judah, to bring up from there the ark of of the Lord God, of, of Yahweh Elohim, who dwells between the cherubim upon which the name is called. Now there's that Hebraism. They did not know what to call Messiah. They did not know how to define, understand, or refer to the human presence of Yahweh, which is a Cheshua, we learn later. But they didn't know that. And David's reference, when he, 
when he thinks of the importance of the, of the ark, his reference is to simply the one whose is the name. Remember what uh, Paul wrote to the Philippians. That God has given him the name. Now that's a reference back to Old Testament. God has given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Ahashua or transliterated into the Greek, Jesus, or transliterated into the English, Jesus. Yahweh Savior or Yahweh saves. Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is our Savior. They didn't know exactly. Yahweh had a lot of other surnames, you know, Yahweh of Yahweh Tabaat and, and others. But he had never had Ahashua. So when they thought of the great promise of the seed of the woman, they didn't have a name for him. So all they could say is, the one whose name is the name. Very, very reverent, really, way of speaking. And so this is how they saw it. The ark of, the, of Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God, who dwells between the cherubim. Okay. Images of the cherubim were atop either end of the lid, which is the mercy seat, and on either end, they extended their wings forward and their wings would touch here at the middle of the Ark of the Covenant. So in the shadow of the wings... Uh, in dwelling between the cherubim, that was God, the presence of God. This is what the Ark of the Covenant is all about. And that's where it was in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle later in the temple. So, so the reference is to the Most High God. He is our God, Yahweh. We have the promise of his anointed, the Messiah, Ahshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And in his fullness, he dwells there. And someday we'll know what his name is. But that very one, the one who, who, who receives the blood and, and forgives us, by, by the blood of, of the atonement and, and the spilled blood, all that. This is, this is him. So they have these high holy thoughts when they think of the Ark of the Covenant. But if you'll look back up here, they've mixed themselves. They have their own ideas about this thing because they want to make, they want to make it more of a parade than they do a worship event. All right, so the story continues. And they set the Ark of Elohim, the Ark of God, on a new cart from the house of Abinadab. Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahil drove the cart. David and all Israel made merry before Elohim with all their might. 
while they're jumping and dancing around, you'll see they're playing music, songs, harps, psalteries, timbrels, cymbals, and trumpets. It's a Christmas parade. And the Ark of the Covenant on the ox cart that's being driven by Uzzah and Ahio is like Santa Claus. So they're all happy. They're dancing to the music and they're singing and they're having a good time. Now here's how 2 Samuel puts it. Chapter 6, verse 1. David continued to gather all the chosen of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal Judah, that is the lords of Judah, to bring up from there the Ark of Elohim, which is called a name, the name, and actually I should have capitalized name, that last name, of Yahweh Tzabah, Lord of hosts, Lord of armies, who dwell upon the cherubim being upon it. Much the same language. They set the ark of God upon a new cart and they carried it from the house of Avinadab that was on the hill and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Avinadab. Now that's the guy whose who's house that back in the time of the Philistine war, the ox cart came and just rested there and that's where they left it at his house. They drove the new cart, uh, brought it out of the horse of Avinadav, which was on the hill, with the ark of Elohim and Achio went before the ark. Achio, Achio. David and all the house of Israel made merry with all manner of instruments of cypress wood, harps, psalteries, timbrels, with sistra and with cymbals. Okay, so... There's the description of how happy the people are. Here goes the parade. They're swirling and dancing and they're playing their songs. And 76 trombones led the big parade. So now, in the procession, something happens. They came to Gordon Kidden and Uzzah stretched forth his hand to take all hold of the ark because the oxen stumbled. Now here's a guy driving the cart, hit a bump in the road, the ark begins to shake a little bit. He says, oops, can't let that hit the ground. He grabs, steadies it a little bit, and God kills him. The anger of Yahweh was kindled against Uzzah and he struck him down because he stretched forth his hand upon the ark and he died there before Elohim. Now he died there in front of everybody, but he died according to the scriptures before God. And David was angered because Yahweh had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called that place Perez Uzzah until this very day. His first emotion was anger. Now this is the gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it. I think he was as much or more angry with himself as he was with Yahweh. He knew this was not the appropriate way to transport the ark. There were detailed instructions in the book of Exodus as to how the ark was to be transported. 
The book of Exodus says, only by Levites. Only by the family of Korah. Only on the poles in the rings designed by Yahweh through Moses in his law. Those poles through those rings lifted up by Korahites from the Levites, they were the ones whom the law said were to transport the ark. Now my guess is ever since this whole party started, Yahweh's wrath builds up. And then this guy in a mindless act reaches out and touches inappropriately without God's permission the very thing that is the presence of God and you just can't fool around with something like that. And he died. He had to die. So David is angry because of what Yahweh had done to Uzzah. Then David became afraid. And David feared Elohim on that day, saying, how will I bring the ark of Elohim to me? Well, here is how this develops. We'll go some chapters ahead, okay? David desperately wants to build the temple in Jerusalem. God did not equip nor call David to that task. David's task was the unification and the initiation of the kingdom of Israel. As the great king David, the one who extended the borders of Israel, brought peace and prosperity to the people, who wrote in one of his Psalms, you have taught my hands to fight wars and my fingers to do battle and my feet to run. David was uniquely equipped as a warrior, as a warrior king and a shepherd king. He was uniquely equipped to lead men into battle and to spill their blood. You and I have already seen how as a man of justice, as the king, David, without hesitation, made decisions that certain men had to be killed right then because this was the only justice that could be meted out to them. He was a man of blood. He was a man of war. He arranged for the place where the temple would be built. He made a lot of other arrangements, but he could not build the temple because he was not the man of peace. He was the man of war. Shalom, his son, Solomon, is the man of peace. So it would be Solomon's call to build the temple. And to prepare him for that, you remember God gifted him with, with great wisdom and understanding. 
So David is ambitious. He's anxious. And a little bit of pride slips in. He wants to do it all. But he has to be reminded that this is not what God brought him forth and had prepared him to do. Solomon was raised in a palace. Solomon observed the, the daily activity of the royal court. Solomon then prayed the right prayer and received wisdom and made all the right decisions with regard to the kingdom. Now, he made a lot of bad decisions about women, but regarding his kingship, he made all the right decisions. And so all the leaders of the world marveled after him. He was the man who could understand the process of building the temple, the importance of the fine material that would go into it. If you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, that's written by Solomon. And one of the things he claims for himself in speaking of his accolades in life was that he became a great builder. He understood building. One of many things that he was master of. So God prepared him. This is something that uh, I think even preachers today have to, have to be very careful about because God prepares you and he gives you a certain kind of gift to do a certain kind of work. But then there are other preachers, there are other even staff, whatever, who are prepared to do other kinds of work. David is being taught here that the building of the temple and the placing of the ark is not his job to perform. So, how will I bring the ark of Elohim to me? And David did not remove the ark to himself to the city of David, but he set it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of Elohim stayed at the house of Obed-Edom three months, and Yahweh blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that it was his, that was his. In observing the blessings that came to the house of Obadidim, David came to the understanding that this was the will of Yahweh. This is as far at that point in time as the ark could go. Now, whoops, we go to 2 Samuel 6 here again. They came to go to Nikon, and Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of Elohim and grasped hold of it, for the, arcs, for the oxen swayed the ark. And the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Uzzah, and Elohim struck him down there for his error. Very important notation in 2 Samuel. He committed grievous error. He should have known. These people are supposed to know the law of Yahweh. And there he died by the ark of Elohim. David was angered because Yahweh had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called that place Peretz Uzzah unto this day. And David was afraid of Yahweh that day, and he said, 
How can the ark of Yahweh come to me? David did not want to remove unto him the ark of Yahweh into the city of David, and David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of Yahweh dwelled in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and Yahweh blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. David had good intentions. And you know what they saw about good intentions, right? But they were his intentions. Yahweh does not permit people to, to stray beyond their boundaries. God has a way of keeping it in check. David was no different. And it was right for David to become afraid of Yahweh. He had perhaps thought that he was becoming a little too familiar with Yahweh. And that can't happen because Yahweh is God most high. And we are like nothing in his presence. David had a purpose. David had a calling. And God would make sure that he stayed within that purpose and within that calling. We'll pick it up. I'm trying to follow this thing chronologically. It's kind of difficult to do because it can be off a little bit on some of these uh, situations. But we'll do our best to follow it chronologically and using both of these books since they parallel one another. We'll pick it up there, God willing, next time. And for now, we'll have our deacon prayer time.